Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Welcome to the 5-Minute Major. Doubles here with a very special edition of our show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by a true legend of Minnesota hockey. Coming to us all the way from Vancouver Island, the one and the only voice of the Minnesota North Stars, Mr. Al Shaver. Hi, Lonnie. Mr. Shaver, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you, sir? Well, I'm fine. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's Mm -hmm. nice to still be remembered. Oh, sir, we cannot possibly forget. It is (laughs) a real treat to hear your voice again. Well, it's Uh, Great honor. Oh, well, let's get down to it. Uh, how did you get started with the North Stars? Well, I started, I was in, living in Toronto at the time, uh, for working for a radio station called CKEY, and uh, that was back in 1966 when the National Hockey League announced that, that uh, it was going to expand by six new teams to add to the six existing teams. So I thought, well, I've always wanted to do uh, National Hockey League games, so this is my chance. And uh, I got permission from Harold Ballard, the owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and an uncle of two uh, very close friends of mine in those days when when I was a teenager. And uh, Harold uh, set up a place for me up in the rafters in Maple Leaf Gardens, and I went in there with a Sony tape recorder in one hand and a microphone in the other. And I broadcast a game uh, between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. It was a playoff game in 1966. And it was in Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, when I was through recording, I edited the tape and I sent a copy of it to Minnesota. And uh, next thing I know, I'm getting a telephone call from Larry Haig inviting me to come down for an interview. So I I came down, and uh, he offered me the job. That is fantastic. Now, uh, growing up, Mr. Shaver, were there any broadcasters that you listened to that influenced you that when you heard them call a game, just kind of made you say to yourself, that's what I want to do. Well, there was a guy by the name of Foster Hewitt who was the originator of hockey broadcasting in Canada, and there's not a Canadian kid who didn't listen to him on Saturday night when he was doing the Toronto Maple Leaf games, and uh, he was my radio hero in those days, and I think every Canadian broadcaster patterned his style after Foster Hewitt. As a matter of fact, the reason I got the job was because of Foster Hewitt, because when I recorded my my audition tape that night in Toronto, uh, my style was, I described things the same way Foster Hewitt did. And uh, 
in the meantime, the radio station WCCO had asked uh, the North Star, uh, had asked the North Stars what a hockey broadcast sounded like should sound like, so they suggested he get a tape of Foster Hewitt doing a game, and it so happened the Foster Hewitt tape was of the game, same game I broadcast um, in that night up in Maple Leaf Garden. So uh, they realized that I was describing things the same way Hewitt did, and uh, I got the job. Outstanding, and uh, we will come back to the name Foster Hewitt uh, in a couple of minutes here. Uh, okay, so you get the North Stars job, and there had to be several memorable characters that you covered over the years. Um, the first one that jumps out to my mind is Gump Worsley. Do you have, do you have any Gump Worsley Well, he wasn't... He wasn't with the North Stars right at the start. He came a little later. Uh, the main character I remember from the first year was Moose Vasco. He was a big hulking defenseman who uh, was left unprotected in the expansion draft by Chicago, and uh, Minnesota picked Moose up. And uh, he was a he was probably as big a defenseman who has ever played in the National Hockey League. He. Uh, he was well over 200 pounds, and uh, he was quite a character. He uh, he uh, functioned on on plenty of beer. Well, most did, and uh, he uh, he was he was a, a memorable person in my life. Uh, he uh, I, I, Moose was a he was a pretty good defenseman, although he was in the twilight of his career when he came to Minnesota, and I think he only played for. Uh, Oh, two or three years at the very most. Then he okay. retired to Chicago and uh, opened a hot dog stand in one of the shopping malls in Chicago. He's dead now, of course. He died uh, died quite young. Okay. And, uh, yeah, my understanding is Gump Worsley was actually, uh, when he came to the North Stars, he was actually talked, uh, he had been retired and was actually talked out of retirement to come back with the North Stars. I don't remember now whether he was retired or not. He probably was, uh, but he came down and uh, he, uh, with the, along with Cesar Maniago, gave the North Stars a wonderful one-two punch in the goaltending department. Between the two of them, they uh, they posted an awful lot of wins. And uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when Gump came. Uh, my mind is. Not as good for remembering as it used to be, but uh, I think it was about about the third year, I believe. When I was going, I was going to guess about nineteen seventy. Yeah, around there. Yeah, yeah, and of course he uh, he was just a great goaltender. He was the last goaltender to play without a mask, and I remember Gump telling me one time that. he had a close call, or could have been a close call. He uh, was with the New York Rangers at the time, and he'd made a save uh, in a game against Detroit, but he'd lost his balance and fallen to the ice, and the puck was about six inches from the face, from his face, and it was on the stick of Gordie Howe, and Howe passed up the shot. He never took it because he was afraid that he might have injured Gump and uh, he didn't want to do that. That's the kind of a class guy that uh, Gordy has always been. 
Well, what a sign of respect, and uh, yeah. sadly, sadly, that's uh, something that we don't see nearly as often in the game today. No, I don't think many players would have would have done that. But well, you never know. You know, they the players today have a, a respect for each other usually, and uh, I, I don't think there's much uh, intention to injure anybody. But uh, that could have been a bad one if if Howe had taken the shot and not been able to raise it up over Gump's head. <laughs> uh, do you still watch uh, much NHL hockey today, Mr. Shaver? I'm watching right now. I'm watching Chicago play Edmonton. Very good. Very and good. I just got through watching Vancouver lose to New Jersey in a shootout, or in overtime, rather. And uh, so I watch a lot of hockey. Yes, I do. And uh, it's all on TV, of course. I I don't go across to Vancouver to see the games. It's uh, It entails a ferry ride and a hotel room and everything like that. So I'm perfectly content to watch them on TV. And, you know, this kind of this whole new wave and this whole new generation of hockey fans in Minnesota uh, relative to the start of the Wild in the 2000 season, uh, you know, the Wild, I think 78 of the 82 games were televised the first season for the Wild, mm-hmm. which um, back in the day, as I grew up watching the North Stars, uh, to my recollection, only about 25 games a season, 25 of the 40 yeah. road games per season were televised. And none yeah, of the home right. games, and and none of the home games were televised. So you're 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 right. Yeah. So it, your calls of North Star games was a, I mean that was a huge connection to the fan base. Well, you know it's it's amazing how far uh, media coverage has come because I still remember when uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the 1930s. Uh, started broadcasting their games, Foster Hewitt doing the broadcast, and the Leafs would never let the first period be uh, broadcast. They they figured that would keep people from going to the games. So uh, they started with at the second period and did the second and third periods of games. And this was back in the 1930s, of course. So uh, then, of course, it's, it's grown to the point now where they do the whole game and on radio and TV both, and uh, uh, doesn't seem to keep people away. But uh, Connie Smythe, the owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, always thought that it would uh, it would keep people from going to the games if they broadcast a whole three periods. I had never heard that before. That is fascinating. I've never uh-huh. heard that before. Yeah. Well, that that's the way they did it in those days. And of course, when people went to the hockey games there, they didn't start till eight o'clock at night in Toronto, and. Uh, People would get all dressed up, their shirts and ties for men and evening dresses for the ladies, and they'd go out to dinner first. And uh, then by close to eight, they'd be filing into Maple Leaf Gardens to see the game. It was a real sociable thing back in those days. Fantastic. Uh, Mr. Shaver, do you have any specific memories of the infamous brawl between the North Stars and the Boston Bruins oh. in, in Boston, February 26, 1981. I can still see that one. <laughs> Started on the opening face-off. 
Bobby Smith was for the North Stars, and I, Glenn Sonmore had given them a lecture at their their uh, noon uh, uh, dinner meeting or whatever they were eating at noon. Anyway, Sonmore said, we got to get this monkey off our back, so I don't want to see the team get pushed around anymore. So right from the opening face-off, Bobby got into it with uh, the centerman for uh, – for the Blackhawks, and it just continued uh, from there on. And uh, it set a record for the most penalties, the most penalty time. And the game ended with, I think, the North Stars had 13 men, and Boston had uh, about 15. The rest were all evicted, had all been evicted from the game. And uh, <laughs> there were just fights all over the place. And it's a record. I'm not sure that it still stands, but I think it does. Uh, I'd have to look that up in the record book. But. Uh, you can easily do that, and for the total number of penalties and uh, penalty time, and uh, it was just a very, very wild scene. And uh, I still remember after the game, uh, they brought the North Star team bus into Boston Garden, and they had a motorcycle escort out of the arena. In the, in the, they're on the bus, and the motorcycle cop was escorting them uh, down the ramp and out of the garden. Because they were they were afraid, I guess, that uh, there might be a mob scene outside with people waiting to uh, attack the North Star players or something. But anyway, it was a wild night, wild and woolly night, but it's one that I'll always remember. And, uh, of course, uh, it was a, a good thing for the North Stars as a team because it got them banded together. And in the playoffs this year, as it turned in that year, as it turned out, they had to meet Boston in the first round. Uh, in those days, or in that particular year, they lumped all 16 teams in the playoffs together, one through 16, depending on the order of finish. And it happened that the Boston Bruins had finished, I think it was eighth in the overall, and the North Stars had finished ninth or something like that, but they had to play each other in the opening round, and Minnesota swept the series. They won They won the first two games in Boston, where they had never won before, and then they wrapped it up with the third game back in mid-center. Yeah, and that the, fans, is... the fans, of course, went bananas. It was a, it was a big thing, just beating Boston. And I think the same thing prevails today. Everybody wants to beat Boston. Yep, for I know, sure. The, I know this Vancouver club has had some problems with them in the past. The year they went in the Stanley Cup final in 2011, uh, the uh, Vancouver and Boston had a big rivalry for a few years after that. Uh, Mr. Shaver, did did you have any inkling before the game in Boston started that uh, that game might be a little out of the ordinary? Well, I had a feeling that something was in the wind because uh, <clears throat> the radio station, and I think it was KSTP in uh, in, uh, in in Twin Cities, uh, they had asked people to sign a, a telegram to the North Stars, wishing them well for the series or for the game, and get the monkey off your back and beat the Bruins finally. And uh, so uh, I had the, the telegram was sent to me in the hotel where the team was staying, and I relayed it. I walked into the, the uh, dinner, the room where they were having their pregame dinner, and uh, 
uh, Glenn was, all of a sudden there was a hush as soon as I came into the room. And usually you hear a lot of chatter in that, but Sonmore had been addressing the team when I walked in. And I handed the telegram to Glenn, and uh, I guess he related to the players at the time and had a long list of uh, names of fans from Minnesota wishing the team well. And uh, I thought, gee, that was a strange feeling when I walked in there. Everything got so quiet. So I, I thought something was in the wind. I didn't know what it was, but I soon found out that night when they dropped the puck for the first time. Oh, that is wonderful. So that was, uh, there was 406 minutes in penalties assessed in that game. Um, uh-huh. The North Stars actually lost that game to the Bruins. Yeah, but, they did. They lost but, it, yeah. But yeah it, they, it, I, I said they uh, they finished the game with only 13 players still uh, on the bench. And uh, Boston had about 15 left of the original 20 starters. So, uh yeah, there were a lot of game misconduct penalties, yeah. So they, they I get the the best fight of the night apparently I didn't even see because Steve Payne got a hold of somebody as they went to the dressing room and I guess he mopped the floor with him uh, down in the corridor to the dressing room. <laughs> I didn't I never saw that, but I just heard about it. Wow, I had never yeah. heard that as well. I know yeah, well, I, I you'd have to check on that because as I say I didn't see it. I, I think it's factual, but I'm not absolutely sure. Uh, I know there was some police involvement between the benches when uh, oh, yeah. when Glenn Sonmore was trying to get at Jerry Cheevers. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a lot of that in that, that game. They really needed the uh, the law enforcement around. As I say, the uh, the North Star bus had a police escort on the way out of the building. <laughs> Okay, so the the stars go on to lose that game, but they so they lose the battle, but uh, it sets the stage for them to win the proverbial war, and yeah. it was kind of the springboard for the Stanley Cup Finals run in '81. Do you have any any memories of that? Uh, of the spring of '81? Oh yeah, uh, I sure out? do. Yeah, they beat Boston, and uh, then they had to play Buffalo, and then Calgary, and. That put them in the final against the Islanders, and uh, of course they lost that in uh, five games. I think it was, yeah, five games they lost. They they had won the the fourth game in Minnesota, and then they had to go back to Long Island for the deciding game. And uh, they, they were just uh, too much for the North Stars to handle. They had a they had a, just an absolutely great team in those days. Uh, Bill Torrey was the general manager, and Al Arbor was the coach, and that was a pretty good combination to start with. And then they had all these first-round draft choices that they'd been uh, stacking up over the years, and uh, they just had too much, too much firepower. Yeah, that was, I mean, that team was an absolute dynasty and uh, yeah. a real tough one for the for the North yeah. to go up against. And uh, in Vancouver, they still talk about the year after that when Vancouver lost to the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eighty-two for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about uh, the nineteen ninety-one run? Well, of course, that was Pittsburgh and. Uh, the North Stars did well. Uh, they they got a 
got a split in uh, the two first two games in Pittsburgh. Came home, won the third game, and they had a two to one lead in the series. And then Big Mario and uh, Yager took over from there, and uh, the rest is history. That uh, again, they uh, they just. Uh, they just had too many good players. You know, they had more than Minnesota did because they've been able to draft uh, higher, and uh, that's how you win. You win with draft choices, and you've got to have those draft choices. The thing that amazes me is this Edmonton team still still struggling in a way because uh, they've had so many high draft choices in the last few years. And unfortunately, they've just lost Connor McDavid, who's a, just a wonderful hockey player. But yesterday, I was watching the game in Buffalo between Vancouver and Buffalo, and that Jack Eichel, an American kid who was drafted in the, right after uh, Connor McDavid, he's a good hockey player, and he's uh, going to make a big difference to that Buffalo team. Yep, absolutely. It's. Uh... It's fun to see these these younger kids coming in. And yeah, it is. Turn a franchise is, yeah, around. Yeah, Vancouver's got four rookies this year, so uh, they lost again today to New Jersey and uh, in a shootout or in an overtime period. But uh, they have a kid by the, uh, out of Maine University by the name of Hutton on defense, and he was the surprise of uh, Vancouver's training camp this year. He, He's a good-sized kid, and he he just stepped in there like a like a polished pro who'd been there for years, and uh, they just couldn't send him to the minors. And uh, he uh, he's been playing very well for them. I think he got his seventh uh, assist on a goal today. So you know he's, that's pretty good for a for a rookie like that. And then they've got three forwards who are all rookies too. So. Uh, I think one of them's gone back to the minors now, down to, to Utica, New York. So uh, they still got a couple here. Vertanen, who was a first-round draft choice, he was sixth overall, and McCann, who was a first-round draft choice, a little later on, and they're both playing well. So these rookies coming in, uh, it's quite a surprise when they can make the team the first year. They've got to, they've got to be awfully good to do that. Yep, no doubt. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, now the part of this that I really hate, but I feel compelled to ask about, uh, was there a time after Norm Green came in that you sensed the team would be moving before anything was announced publicly? Well, uh, yeah, that was... I really don't want to get into that uh, because I'm still still ticked off about it, but... uh, I just didn't want to see Minnesota without a hockey team. But, uh, you know, these things happen, and uh, there was a reason for it, which I won't go into. But uh, it's uh, it's a shame that Minnesota lost the team, although they they I think they've got a better team right now than, than the North Stars were at that time. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the Wild are doing so well. It's... It's just a wonderful thing to see, and I sure hope they win a cup before too long. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, and to your point earlier about building a team with draft choices, the highest the Wild has ever picked was picking Marion Gabrick, I believe, third overall uh, in there. Was it was the third? I, did, was, he, was he drafted sooner than Koivu? 
Uh, yes. I don't I remember. Believe, yep, I, I believe Coyle I don't remember drafted. the draft orders, but, uh, yeah, well, uh, Gabrick was a fine hockey player, and it was, it's unfortunately he didn't stay with the Wild, but, uh, yeah, I think he, he and, uh, Koivu would have made a very good twosome, but, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yep, for sure. Now, Mr. Shaver, you were selected as the winner for the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award in 1993. Uh, based on what you had mentioned earlier, that had to have a lot of meaning to you. It did. It was, uh, I was very proud of, uh, winning that. And, uh, it was nice to see, uh, my picture, as ugly as I am, hanging in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and you know, it's uh, it was uh, it made uh, everything worthwhile for the number of years I put into it. I think it was twenty six years altogether, and uh, I uh, I never regretted uh, getting that job. I want to tell you, I I loved every minute of it, even the bad years, and there there were a few of those. You know, I can remember that. Uh, in their first six years in the league, the North Stars made the playoffs five times, and in the second six years, they missed them five times. So, uh, you know, they were all even 500 after ten after uh, 12 years. Yep, yep. And uh, I tell you, we were. You sound very gracious about having the opportunity to do the games, and I, I can tell you. Uh, as fans, we were the ones that uh, that got the good end of that deal. Um, well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, there, as I say, I enjoyed doing them and uh, uh, met an awful lot of wonderful hockey players over the years that uh, came and went. Uh, I often think of uh, the guys we had, uh, people like Caesar, and uh, he's right across the the state of Georgia from where I live. And, uh, unfortunately he had a tragedy a few years ago and he lost his, his dear wife, Mavis, who was a wonderful lady and, uh, Gump, of course, he's gone now. And, uh, the first, uh, first player to captain the North stars in their first year, Bob Wojtowicz from Winnipeg. He, uh, he passed away earlier. I, I think he was, I'm not sure he died or whether he was in a car accident. But uh, you know there have been so many, uh, so many memorable ones that I uh, think of often, and uh, great great performances we had, like Bill Goldsworthy, uh, and then Dino, of course, who was the first North Star to score 50 goals in one season. He broke Goldie's old record of 48, and of course Goldie, we we don't have him anymore, and. Uh, but there's always uh, somebody interesting uh, coming up to take take the places of those we've lost. Yep, that is true. And uh, Mr. Shaver, I cannot thank you enough for your time tonight. This is as somebody that grew up on the North Stars. This has been such a treat for me. Um, we've gone well past the uh, amount of time we agreed to tonight. And honestly, I I could go on with this for hours and hours. This has just been outstanding. Um, I, I'm glad you uh, you enjoyed the, the the talk, and so did I. And uh, I always love talking hockey, whether it's the North Stars or something else. And uh, 
I'm always right next to my phone here, so call anytime. That that is absolutely wonderful, Mister Shaver. And though okay, tonight, honey. Though tonight is the first time we've ever spoken, I uh-huh. can tell you, I can tell you, you were a welcomed guest in my house on hundreds of cold Minnesota winter nights over the years, uh, and it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, that's the one thing we don't miss about Minnesota out here is the, the winter weather. We don't get much snow out in this part, but uh, get a little bit once in a while, but I don't miss those chilly winter nights, uh, especially when you had to walk. Well, I can remember the walk to Mariucci Arena when I was doing the Gopher Games the last three years I was there. It was it was a pretty good walk, and I always seemed to be walking into the wind coming from the west, and it was hitting me right in the face. And I thought I was going to take off with it one at a time. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, thank you again, Mr. Shaver. Uh, honor, okay, Lonnie. Absolute, absolute honor to have you on. Uh, this is Doubles signing off for a very, very special edition of the 5-Minute Major. Thank you for listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.